0: All right, Say good morning. Let us begin. Incredible, incredible daff ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors. I thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Av. Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shurim and Joshua's this month in honor of their grandchildren. The daffyomishir in this chusavar of Fushlimah for Yehuda Ben Michal. Our week of learning sponsors, Benjamin Fleischman, in memory of his father, Rabbi Shmuel Yudel. Ben Binyamin Yaakov Zichron Livracha and Selma Wolf with incredible hakaras Satov to Hashem for the Rafua Shalema of her granddaughter, Dr. Carrie Davis. We hope that, in the merit of our Tamadora, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah, the families in Chama, and all of those who need a Rafua will have one together with Kol Israel. Yisrael. Well, so with that, let us begin today's daf. Daf Nun 50. We are beginning Emeritus Hashem on Daf Mem Tessem Days 49b. And we are picking up 18 lines up from the bottom. So, a lot, a lot to do today. A lot to do today, Baruch Hashem. So, let's begin. So, actually, we started this soge yesterday a little bit. In the city of Usha, they instituted the following idea. Remember again, Usha was one of the locations that the Sanhedrin relocated to. After having left Usha, the chamber of Human stone. In the base So in Usha, they instituted of anyone who goes ahead and gifts away his property during his lifetime to his children. So again, we'll call them Ruven's married to Rachel. Ruven and Rachel decide to go ahead and give all of their property to their children during their lifetime. In Usha, they instituted a that Ruven and Rachel are still supported from that very estate. In other words, even though they gifted it away now, during their lifetime, they're still supported from the estate. I don't know what's the big deal. Chazal already said something bigger than that. They said, If a widow, if a widow, after the death of her husband, no matter what happens to the estate, the widow is always supported by the estate, so it goes without saying that when people gift away their estate during their lifetime, that of course they're going to be supported over the course of their lifetime from the estate. Where do we see the widow? The Shalach Rabin bi'igarta. Rabin sent the following message in a letter. Mi amana ubas. So we'll say, let's say Reuven died. And Ruben left behind. Reuven's married to Rachel. And Ruben and Rachel had a daughter. So now Ruben passes away. The, the daughter is the only surviving heir, so she inherits the estate, right? So she inherits everything. So what's the halacha? So even though the daughter inherits the estate, the estate has an obligation to continue to support the widow. Listen to this: the daughter gets married. What's the halacha? The widow is still supported from the estate. So now again, remember daughter gets married, that estate that estate, essentially now becomes what we'll call nechse mulog or nechse barzal depending on the nature of the property. She brings that property into marriage. Her husband has rights into the marriage. Nevertheless, the widow is still supported from the estate. Not only that, mese havas, let's say now the daughter dies. So the daughter dies. But the widow is still alive. I once had to deal with this type of situation. They both say, pretty wild. Again, what you see is the widow is supported from the estate, no matter what. No matter who is in possession of the estate. To the point, by the way, that even if the estate is now no longer in the hands of someone even directly related to Reuven, the Amana is still going to be supported. So the point is, you see, what is the takeaway message, that the Amana is supported from the estate up until the point that she gets remarried. So said, the Gemara says, if you see that an Amana is supported from the estate, boy, then it goes without saying that what? That if a man, Reuven and Rachel, gift away the estate to their children during their lifetime, it goes without saying that Reuben and Rachel are supported from the estate. To which the Emmanuel says, I'll tell you like this. What would you have thought? hu Deleka de Tarach. said, I would have thought, in the case of the Almana, it could be that the reason why the Almana is supported from the estate is why? There's no one else to support her. In other words, there's no other form of support. Literally, de Tarach means there is no one to work on her behalf. She may be fully dependent on the estate. Aval Nitrach le dideo but here, Ruben and Rachel might be totally fine, healthy young people, right? Or, or, or relatively young people that they could go ahead and work, right? So maybe they shouldn't be supported by the estate. In other words, let Reuven go ahead and go out to work and support him and his wife, who says that that support should automatically come from the estate. Even though Ruben and Rachel gifted away the entire estate, they are still supported by that estate during their lifetime. Incredible. So the Gemara says, say. oh, that's say. so we'll say, this is very interesting because now this is the second time we've seen this, right? Where the Gemara quotes a takana that was made in Usha. The Gemara then goes through it and then the Gemara asks, by the way, was this accepted? Right? We had this in yesterday's daf also where in Usha they instituted that you should support your minor children. right? And now again they asked, well, was this accepted or not? So in Usha they instituted that if a husband and a wife gift away their estate to their children during their lifetime, they are still supported by the estate. Yomari again asks, is the Halacha like that or not? So listen to this. So the Yomari says, Tashma Rabbi Hanina Rabbi Yonasan, listen to this, Havu kaimi Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Yonasan, we standing together, Asa gavra, gochin v'nashkei Rabbi son akare, there was a man who came and kissed Rabbi son's feet. Amr Rabbi Hanina, my high, Rabbi Hanina said, my, my high is such a good phrase. You know, my high, how that translates, like, what's up with that, right? That's that's the direct translation, right? What is that? What is that? Well, why, why is this guy coming to kiss your feet? Amr so listen to this, Rabbi Yonasson said, this guy, this guy had gifted away his estate to his children, and I forced the kids to support their father. It should will say such an interesting thing. So apparently the, the back story to this is, Ru, we'll call them Ruvay, right? Ruben, right? Reuven and Rafael gifted their entire estate to their kids. And the kids didn't want to support the parents. They didn't want to support the parents. It is unfortunately not a new dynamic about what money does to families. It's an incredible, incredible thing. That here, again, you could have a family that I'm guessing if Ruben and Rockall are gifting away their property to their kids, they must feel some level of, of affinity towards their children. And here again, the kids get the money and the kids don't want to support the parents. Again, this is certain things do not change. How many families are torn apart because of money? How many families are torn apart because of inheritances, because of estates, because of money? Because the money, it's, it's a story that's as old, at least as the Gemara, and probably older than the Gemara. So the Gemara says this follows. So what happens? Rabbi Yonasan says there was this guy, gift raised his estate, his kids didn't want to support him. And I forced the children, I forced the children <coughs> to go ahead and support their parents. And that's why this guy, this is the father who's coming and kissing me on my feet. He has incredible hakaras to me. So I'm going to say, so ultimately again, if you say that the halacha doesn't follow the takana in Usha, then it makes sense why Rabbi Yonasan had to force the children to support the parents. Dina <laughs> But if it's the halacha, then why would Rabbi Yonasan have to force them to comply with the halacha? So the Gemara, it seems of Yerabosa that what's, what's unfolding over here is that halacha Maisa, as much as they made a takana in usha, it didn't become a widespread accepted practice. And therefore, again, in this particular case, Rabbi Yonasan has to compel the children to support their parents from the estate. Interesting. So, Moses, so, those, so I just want to point out. So far, we've gone through two takanas and usha. Takana usha. Takhanas, usha number one was that children have to, Sorry. Takhanas, usha one, that parents have to support their mind, their young children. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Have to. Sorry. Have to support their minor children. Takana number two is if parents give their estate to their children during their lifetime. The estate has to go ahead, and/or the children have to support their parents. Or I should say, the parents are still are still get support from the estate. Fine. I'll say just before we move on. Um, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll, okay, let, let me just close out yesterday's which is just very quickly. So remember again, we saw the gemara said in takkanas that that shehe adam zan es bonav es finosav kishen that parents are obligated to support their children while they are young. So what does that mean? So let we'll I'm going to quote to you very, very quickly. The, Sh- the Ramban, the Ramban in Hilchos Ishus, Perek Yud Beis, Halachi Yud Dalet, says as follows. Listen to this Lashen. Kishim sheAdam Chayi B'mezonos Ishto, Kachu Chayi B'mezonos B'nav Ubnos HaKitanim, <in> Ad Shiyiyu B'nei Sheish <Hebrew> Shonim. The Rambam that the same way that a person is obligated to support his wife, a person is obligated to support his children up until the age of six. Up until the age of six, from this point, from six years old and on, until the time they grow up, whatever growing up means, some level of independence, one is obligated to support his children in accordance with the takanas chachamim. That takanas usha. So said what I want to point out here is something amazing. The Rabbah, and this is a, this is a, <laughs> it's a fascinating Rabbam, because the Rabbim understands that there is essentially like a biblical obligation. He compares it to the obligation that a husband has to support his wife. Husband has a biblical obligation to support his wife. The Rabbim says... Children up until six years old have to be supported the same way that a, that a husband supports his wife. Now where the Rambam gets six years old, like where is a whole discussion which is beyond our, our scope right now. But the Rambam holds support up until six is like a dinda araisa. The takanas usha was to support one's children from six until the time that they're financially independent. Now listen to this. They, that, that was the What if a father doesn't want to comply with the tachanas Susha? <laughs> My kid is six. He's a very mature six-year-old. I feel like he is ready to take on the responsibility of supporting himself. I no longer want to support him. So what's the haloch in such a situation? So that i'm "Im lo rata, go rin go arin bo, u machlimino so u bo." We could shame him. We could try to compel him, right? The Ramam says we could embarrass him publicly. But halakha lamaysa, after six years old, you can't compel a father to support his child. So this is the Ramam. So again, up until six seems to be obligatory. From six and on, that was takhanas usha. Takhanas usha was six and on until financial independence, support your kid. I, if you don't want to comply with takhanas usha, we could shame, we could coerce, we could try, but Lamais say you can't do anything more. There's one exception. If you happen to know the father has money, if you know the father has money, we know the father has the assets to support his kids, then the Ramam says in Halacha Tesvav that Bazin could seize the assets. So I say Shulchan Arach writes, similar idea. This is in Evena Ezer, Simen Ayin Alif Halacha Aleph. Chayiv Adam, Lazun, bana vubin osav, Ad Shiyu Bnei Sheish. Avil the Khasim say pretty much the Aruch quotes the same idea. Same idea. a father is obligated to support his kids. Up until the age of six. Again, the Shulchan the Aruch doesn't compare that support to the support of a wife. That's why I wanted to bring down the Lashon of the Rambam. Because the Rambam equates supporting your children up until the age of six with supporting one's wife. Which is just as supporting one's wife as a biblical obligation. The Rambam would seem to say that's also a biblical obligation. From six and on, and then ultimately again, the Shulchan Aruch adopts the same basic idea as the Rambam. Namely, if somebody doesn't want to comply with ta'konas usha, then halakha l'maisi so you could shame them, you could socially pressure them. If you know they have money, you could extract it. But otherwise, there's no real way to enforce ta'konas usha other than public pressure. Incredible. I'll say there's much more to say about this, but at least I give you a little a little bit of the halacha So I'll we'll say now let's continue. So now what we're going to have we're going to have another incredible, incredible. Um subya. Let's begin. Daf Nunamad Alif. Daf Nunamad Alif, second line down. Amabilai. Another Takana Susha. Our ther will say this is our third Takana Susha now. Our Ammarabilai. B'usha skinu Ham Vazvez Ayy Vazvez Yosemi Bachomesh. We'll say an incredible halochal. If you're going to give away your money in Siddaka, now Mibazvez is a lot is an interesting lush. Mibazvez, Bizbuz could sometimes mean waste. In this case, what bizbuz means is to dispense. Amevazvez. if someone is going to dispense their money, there is a cap on the amount of tzedakah one is permitted to give. And what's the cap? What's the cap? The cap is 20%, one-fifth. One-fifth of your estate. You're never allowed to give away, I should say, one-fifth. We'll see what one-fifth of in just a moment. So the Yomar Sataym in the writes that supports this, If you go ahead and you want to be generous with your tzedakah, there's a cap on your generosity. You can't give away more than one-fifth of your wealth. Shema What are we concerned about? We're concerned about that if your generosity is too overwhelming, you may lead to impoverish yourself, right? And so there's no point in giving tzedakah in a way that leads to self-impoverishment, right? Because then ma'isa that is very nice of helping others, and I myself become a tzedakah. Case. There was once a situation of someone who wanted to go ahead and give more than a fifth. But ultimately, again, his friend did not allow him. Who was the chavar who prevented the guy from giving the fifth? Rabbi Yeshavev. Rabbi Yeshavev, some say it was Rabbi Yishabeiv, and who was the one who didn't who didn't permit him? It was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi will come back to that in just a moment. So let's just finish. So Rabbi says, what's the possible? In other words, where do you know that the cap on siddaka is one is one fifth of one's? Is how do you, how do you know that? So the Gemara says. Rabbi the truth is. It doesn't necessarily need a pasik, right? The simple answer is, how did they come up in usha with one fifth? Again, they figured, like, how much, what's the maximum amount of one's assets that one could give away without putting themselves in financial peril? So the truth is, 20% is a good number. Is a good number. So the Gemara says, so, but yet Gemara wants to know, they must have had some type of remes in the Pesukim. So, micra, the cholasher titein li, aser asrenu lach. When he's running away from, from home, and he's running away to the house of Lavan, on the night that he has his dream, he says to our Kedush if you take care of me, right? Kedush take care of me. If you take care of me, everything I have, aser, aasrenu, Which literally means what? Well, we translate it as I'll tithe and I'll tithe. Well, aser is the 10th, aser is the 10th. Which together is 120th. Tw- right, right so the Gemara says, Vaha lo dami isura basra kamo. Alright, so the Gemara gets a little technical over here. But one second, if you take a tenth and then you take another tenth off that, so they're not equal amounts, the Gemara says, no, no, no. Amravashi, Amrav Ashi, excuse me, aser aasreno le basra ki kama. The second Myser will be like the first. In other words, it could have said, aser aaser. But the fact that it says, means two tenths that are the same. Okay, so we'll say, let's talk about this in just a little bit. Because this is a fascinating halacha on a variety of levels. First of all, if you take a look at Tosas, Tosas says, So Tosas says, this is fascinating. When in Usha they said you could only give, you can't give more than a fifth. The way it works, according to Tosas, is at one point in time in your life you could give one fifth of your entire estate, your entire estate. Each year, then you could choose to give one fifth of what he calls revach. Revach could be, let's say, the interest on your estate or your earnings, your yearly salary. So you could give one big gift of your total one fifth of your of your of your value. I don't know if the right your portfolio. We'll call it your, your, your estate. One fifth of your estate, and then each year a person could give one fifth. Ultimately, again, of their earnings. The I was. Let me read you the shulchan over here because it's actually quite a fascinating halacha. The shulchan Arach says as follows. This is in yoredeya simin sif Aleph. So i we'll saying in general, when it comes to tzedakah, what's the din of tzedakah? We have to, you have to give, i will the general halacha, that tiftak. when somebody asks, somebody asks you for tzedakah, you have an obligation to give. Now, how much you give is totally up to you. Totally up to you. You can give a nickel, you can give $5, you can give a 1000 you can give whatever you want. But halacha lamaisa, when a Jew asks for money, I have an obligation to give. Yes, kol kach, if I can't give to every ani, yitin ad chomesh sorry, kol kach, fine. Yiten so ad chomesh mitzvah says, it's interesting. V'eachad meh asar benonis, So Shonar's idea over here is as follows. To give up to a chomesh, to give up to a fifth, that's mitzvah minamovchar. That's, that, that's the ideal of tzedakah. The next level down is to give a tenth. What do we call Miser? What do you call Miser? That's midabenonis Pachos Mikan Ayin Ra. To give less than sir, the Gemara calls, the calls, stinginess. Still a mitzvah. Still a mitzvah. But that's not Jewish generosity. So it's, it's interesting, about both say, because the way the Gemara frames it, the way the Gemara frames it, is that like, Chomesh is a maximum ceiling. The way the, the, way the Shucham Arach frames Chomesh, is that giving one fifth, giving a twentieth, right? Ultimately is what? Is the mitzvah min amufkar. If you can give that amount, that's the mitzvah min amufkar. If you can't give a twentieth, giving meiser a tenth is very nice. Mida beinonis, mida But giving less than meiser, less than meiser, again, still a mitzvah, but the shulchan aruch says is ayin ra'ah, is stinginess, is stinginess. And then he goes on and he says, And here the Shulchan Aruch adapts the position of Tosis. There's one time opportunity to go ahead and give Khomesh from your entire estate. And then after that, you can give Khomesh from your yearly earnings. So I will say, really an incredible halacha, because I think people often assume that Khomesh is like a maximum ceiling. And the Shulchan Aruch looks at it as an ideal As an ideal give chomash, that's the chila. Again, next level, nicer, less than that, still mitzvah, but ayinrah. ra. Interesting idea in the way we're supposed to look at giving. So let's say a couple of things. Number one, this doesn't apply to deathbed gifts. In other words, this is talking about disbursements of tzedakah while you're alive. But let's say a person wants to structure their estate, that when I die after 120, I want the majority of my assets to go to tzedakah. That's permitted, which, which makes sense because the concern or the cap of Chomesh is why? is why Self-impoverishment, right? Obviously, when your person is going to die, there's not a problem of that. So I just want to point out, that cap only applies during lifetime giving, does not apply when one dies. They both say, let me tell you one other thing. The Balatanya brings down, the Balatanya brings down that there's another exception to this rule. The rule of Chomesh, is only when talking about giving money as tzedakah. Listen to this. Says the Balatanya, let's say I'm giving tzedakah as a form of tshuva. As a form of tshuva. What does this mean? See, there is a very strong connection between tzedakah and tshuva, right? Tshuva, tefillah, utzedakah, ma'vinas, ra zera. What does tzedakah have to do with tshuva? Well, what's the connection? On a very simple of the Balatanya says, because sin, hate, is egocentric and self-centered. Why do I sin? Why do I sin? Because I put my needs before anyone or anything else. What I need is more important. What I need is more important than what God needs. What I need is more important if it's, if it's an interpersonal sin than what someone else needs. Sin, sin is the paradigmatic example of self-centeredness and egocentricity. I will say, what's the antithesis? of egocentricity and self-centeredness, tzedakah. Because think about this, we all know this, tzedakah, we work hard to earn our money and to take something that I worked hard for and now to give that and to use that for someone else, that is the exact opposite. There's nothing more selfless than tzedakah. It's an incredible thing. So therefore, says the Balatanya, when in Usha, they said that you can only give a fifth, up, up to a fifth of your estate for tzedakah, that halakha was for the halacha of tzedakah, but if you're giving tzedakah, ultimately again for tshuva, for tshuva, the Tanya says there's no cap. <laughs> there's no cap. So for, for tzedakah given as tshuva, a person is even permitted to go ahead and give more than a chomesh. Now, that 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 idea doesn't appear in the Shulchan Aruch, right? It doesn't appear in the Rambam, but Baal Tanya. So it's quite, quite a fascinating idea. So, so tzedakah given as tzedakah, maybe be capped by takanos usha, but tzedakah ultimately again given as Shuva has no cap, one other exception, then we have to go on. I can't, I stop forcing me to stay on this any longer, we have to go on. So again, the other exception to this is, if the post can bring down, if a person is fabulously wealthy, right? Because obviously again, this cap, this cap, was created ultimately to avoid self impoverishment. So let's say Baruch Hashem, I am fabulously wealthy. I could easily give away more than a chomesh each and every year, and it is not at all going to impact me in any way. Such a person is exempted, right? Everybody's always looking for loopholes in halacha, right? I want to be exempted. Well, here it is. Here it is. Here's it. We shall all be Zoha to this exemption. We shall all be Zoha to this, right? If, if again, I, I could give away 30%, 40%, it's not going to make a difference. not going to make a difference. Then ultimately, again, halalai, we should be zocha. The usha doesn't apply to you. Good. Let's go weiter, right, Let's go weiter. Right Says the incredible. By the way, there's so much more to say about this as well. But again, we'll have to save it for a different time. Amrav Naka Mintimrav Naka Micro. Fine. So we did that. So Amrav Simi Barashi. Ushmuos halalomismatos vaholchos. And I will say, by the way, if you notice, just as an aside, the taken usha, we now have three taken usha. Right? The first one about supporting your kids. The second one that parents are supported from the estate if they give a lifetime gift. And number three, cap on Tzedakah. So I will say, there were more names associated with, the names decreased. In other words, the names in which these halakhas were given over decreased as we went along. So the Gemara of a simonach, kitanim, kasr, bizbizu. Fine. another one. I will say, it's a fascinating one. In Usha, they decreed, they, she Adam iskalgel in Beno, ad Shtei mesre shana. I will say, a person should deal kindly with their son. Up until the age of twelve, look here, Rashi. Let's say my son doesn't want to learn. My son doesn't want to learn Torah. So up until the age of twelve, up until the age of twelve, deal with him kindly. After twelve, if my kid doesn't want to learn, he doesn't want to get his act together. That's when that's when we begin to deal sternly with the children. And omri lechayash, look at Rashi says, Literally, again, to hit him with a to hit him with a strap and withhold food, withhold food. So pretty intense. So says here, obviously, just difference in child rearing practices. So I will say, so it's just fascinating when the child is young. When the child is young, deal deal softly with them. When the child is older, but doesn't want to get their act together, that's when, Usha should, they said, one should deal more strictly with their child. Amr Rav lo takbil, barshis kabil So, I'm sorry, the says, ini is itself. It's actually so fascinating that the way the Gemara has it, because right, intuitively we would think just the opposite. In other words, the time actually to be a little bit stricter is when children are younger. Because when they're younger, they're a bit more receptive and, and, and a bit more malleable. As children get older is when they become more defiant. So it's interesting how, again, obviously just be reflecting of just different, different child rearing norms, different chinuch norms. So one would have thought, no, 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 set the rules and set the strictures with younger children. Because when they become older, they, again, Chazal had the opposite approach. Any is this so? Yet Rav So listen to this, Rabbi Osey. So Rav said was a noted mechanech. He was a He was a rabbi. "Don't accept children younger than six years old. Don't accept kids less than six. Rabbi Osey is incredible. Why? Because kids less than six years old are not ready to sit. They're not ready to sit. It's, it's, an, it's fascinating. We, our educational system is so, there are so, we have this, we have this idea that kids should be able to sit and that they should be able to sit for prolonged periods of time. And if they can't sit for prolonged periods of time, there are behavioral issues. A child who can't sit for prolonged periods of time is not, I mean, sometimes there are behavioral issues, but more often than not, they're just kids. They're just kids. So they can sit for a little bit of time, but they need to run around for a lot more time. So this is incredible. So Rav, Shmo, so, so Rav said to Hashem Barashilas, don't take kids less than six years old. It's not going to work. But from six years old and on, you can take them. This is incredible. Vesapilikitura. Stuff them with Torah like an ox. So it's like the idea is apparently just like you force feed an ox, Force feed the kids. So in other words, that even at six, even at six, take a strong-handed approach to chinuch. So you see from here that at a younger age, they're taking they're taking a stronger approach. So the gemara says in safi lekitura, yeah, you could go and stuff them like an ax. In other words, that go ahead and be a little bit forceful. I will say the lashon of yored means like punishment, punishment. So in other words, you you could go ahead and have standards and, and be a little bit forceful but punishment for non-compliance doesn't come until later. Viva ma lo kash, ya hallo halo Mishnah. It could also be referring to different things. It could be referring to a young age, kids might be ready for Chumash, but for Mishnah, don't start them until later. D'amur Abayi, because i said, the aim. my mother said to me, Bar mikra at six years old, the child could do Chumash, Bar the Mishnah, at ten years old Mishnah, Bar Tleisra Lata'anisa M'eis in the 13th, year, already, they're ready to fast. They're ready to fast for 24 hours. bas bastres, and for a girl. The 12th year, Amra Abaye, Abaye, said, Amr, my mother said to me, "Hi Barshis, the Tarkale Arkaba. So we'll say, so just before we go on, the Gimara is going to, well, actually, let's, let's finish up the sugya. So we'll say, again, I just want to point out, like, here's a perfect example of where a was made reflecting societal norms. Right, and, and again, I will say the truth is corporal punishment. I don't know if it worked or it didn't work, but it was standard, right, both in child rearing as well as in chinuch. Obviously, we have very different approaches, and our times require very different approaches, right? I will say in general, again, children need rules, and children need structure, and children need repercussions and ramifications. But the truth is, at least, you know, in child, cha- I should say, in raising one's children and in chinuch. It has to be so much more love than anything else. So much more acceptance. Again, not acceptance to the exclusion of rules, because if you don't have rules, or expectations, or standards for your children, you're doing them a disservice, right? If they can get away with anything, or do anything, that's not love. That's not love. That's a disservice. But so the standard that they're a over here just reflects a different kind of societal setup. So the standard that they're a spouse of will be if you have a boy who a child who, is sick, who, who on the day of their, that they complete their sixth year, is bitten by a scorpion, Lohai, such a child will not live. say, so what 's the cure? take the bile bile of a white vulture, Beshikra and beer. Okay, what do you do? The Shafi so smear the bile on the wound and drink the beer. It's the good old beer and bile remedy, right? The beer and bile. So the says from, "Hi Bar Shasa, the Tarek le Zibura Mashlam Shasa." If you have a child who, again, was bitten by a bee, stung by a bee on the day that he, on the day that he completed his first year, lo chayi, he's not going to live. Maya tzvase. So what's the cure? Atzvase the dikla b'maya the shafi Take palm bast. Mix it with water, smear it on the affected area, and drink it as well. Okay, of Katino. Kalamachnis aspinopachos pachos listen to this. Anyone who puts his child in yeshiva, puts his son in yeshiva, his son is cheder, less than six years old, rats Acharov veino He's gonna run after this child and won't catch up with him. say The way Rashi understands this over here is as follows: This child's health will be compromised. Will be compromised. Why? Because a child at less than six years old should not be sitting in school. A child less than six years old should be running around and playing. So if you put him in school too early and he doesn't have the proper outlets for his vitality, his health will suffer. And if his health suffers as a young child, you'll, you'll try, you, you won't be able to catch up with him. In other words... Once health is compromised as a young child, it's difficult to get his health back on the rails later on in life. Ike amri. Others say, no, that's not what it means. also. What it means is, if you start educating your child in Torah at a young age, he will surpass his friends. His friends will run after him, but they will never be able to catch up, which means he'll be ahead of his peers. So the Gemara says, The truth is, they're both right. Chalush this child will be smarter than anyone else. Be very but what? He'll also be weaker than anyone else. The other possibility is it depends on the kid. Had kakhish, had bari. They both say different children need different things. Some young children need again to bolster their vigor and vitality by running around not sitting in school. Other children, Baruch Hashem, who are healthier, have the ability to already start they both say, The incredible thing about this, the, the takeaway from this, is not about discipline. Think about this is how Chazal were looking at children as individuals, and also recognized that different kids need different things, right? So the six-year-old who is healthy may be able to sit in school, and the six-year-old who's not as healthy is not ready to sit in school and needs to run around, because Chazal already understood there's no such thing as a model that works for every single child, it's the lashon of Shlom Alech and Mishlei of the Chanukh Linar al Every child needs their own model, needs their own plan. It's said Chazal already understood this. Am Rabbi Yosi Rachenino. Bushes going to Another takana susha. Incredible. Haisha habal miata Post another interesting takana susha. If a woman dies, right? Sorry, a woman who sold her nuchse melog. In during the lifetime of her husband, i said what's nifseimulog? Nifseimulog is property that is owned by who? By the woman. Let's say inheritance or dowry that her father gave her. She sells off this nifseimulog during her marriage. What's the halacha when she if she dies? We may say haba kuchos. The husband has the ability to extract his property from the purchasers. So in other words, essentially, the husband is considered to be like a first position creditor. When it comes to his wife's nich semlug, so during her lifetime he doesn't have a right to go ahead and do anything with it. He could use it for paydos, but he doesn't have a right to extract it. But when she dies, he has the ability to extract it. Rabbi Rabbi and he was standing amongst people in Usha. man Who is the author? Who is the one who said this? Amarle Rabbi Yosef so he learned that he reviewed it with him 40 times, and it was as if after reviewing it 40 times, he felt that he had it in his pocket. Hand it in his pocket is like the Talmudic uh, expression for, you know, I, I have a handle on this. Ash, say some beautiful Gimaras over here. Mishpat Ose Praised is the one. Praiseworthy is one. Shomre Mishpat, who keep the Mishpatim. Who go ahead and perform acts of kindness, acts of charity at all times? The chi afshar lassos tzedaka bchalis. They both say, "Is there anyone who could do tzedakah at all times?" They both to this. Dasha Rabbeinu Shabi Yavne. The rabbis in Yavne, when the business was in Yavne, they said, "Amrulai Rabbe Lazer." At the end, sorry, Eliezer Zehazon, Banov Banav Kishen Kishem Ketanim. They both say, "What does it mean, Oset tzedaka bchalis?" This is someone who supports his children. when they're young, right? Because when I'm supporting my children, the truth is every moment when you have young children at home, what's happening? You're supporting them. Right, every moment you're supporting them, that's oset zedaka That's an example of one who does zedaka at all times, supporting young children. I will say, tell you, This refers to someone who raises an orphan, an orphan boy or an orphan girl, and marries them off. So someone who takes achrayis to take care of an orphan is someone who is doing zedaka So I will say, tell you, it's such a you must teach such an incredible lesson. So I will say. What the Yemar is saying is, what does it mean to do tzedakah at all times? It means to take care of your family. Sometimes when we think about chesed and opportunities for chesed, so it's so interesting how our mind automatically goes to things outside of our sphere of influence, right? What is the definition of chesed or of tzedakah? Helping someone else. We sometimes forget that sometimes the most profound acts of tzedakah that we perform and the most profound acts of chesed that we perform are for the people who often live under the same roof as we do. The ability and the profundity of performing tzedakah and chesed for your own family members. You go ahead and you take time. You take time to, to, to listen or to speak to your wife, even when it's inconvenient for you. You take time to go out of here to do something for your kids, even though you have other things you have to do. That's oset tzedakah the B'chaleis. b'chaleis. Tzedakah and chesed is not only for people who you don't know, right? Or for people who are outside of your nuclear family. There's tzedakah and there's chesed to be done for those who are closest to you in each and every moment. And the Gemara says the goddess of that is, that's oset the b'chol eis. When you're good to your family, when you're attentive to your family, when you're loving to your family, when you go out of your way to do for your family, not to the exclusion of others. So that's the b'chol eis. Every other person who I do tzedakah for, chesed for, that's episodic chesed, episodic tzedakah. But the tzedakah that you do for your family, that's constant and consistent. Incredible. So the goes weiter. What does it mean, hon that literally again, there's wealth and grandeur in my home. Right? Utztakasa omedasa and my tzedakah, my my, my charity stands forever. Rafun torah umalamdo. One says this refers to someone who learns Torah and teaches it. said, the idea is I learn Torah. That's the hon va ushaves. So that refers, since I learn, there is wealth in my home. Utztakasa omedes la'ad means if you look at Rashi. Rashi says over here the idea of hon means the wealth I acquire doesn't diminish doesn't diminish. So says therefore if I learn Torah I have the wealth in my home and if I teach it if I teach it ultimately again so the wealth is maintained because I've now shared it with others. Look at Rashi. So we'll So I learned Torah. I learned Torah. I share it with others. See, so i was saying, that which you acquire for yourself is beautiful. But when you share something you have with others, you ensure eternality for those items. So i was saying, I just, I don't have time for this but, this, but this, I want to tell you, like, remember beforehand, when we saw the Gemara, ultimately again, of takanas usha that you can't give away more than a fifth. Remember who the two Rabbanim who were involved in it? were. Rabbanim, you know who they were? Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yishavev. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yishavev were amongst the Asar Haruge Malchus. Right? They lived in the time of Hadrianic persecution. Why are these Rabbanim the ones involved, involved in giving away vast amounts of tzedakah? Because I would say these are two people who understood that you could hold on to absolutely nothing in life. And the only things that really endure forever are ultimately, again, the things you do for others. Those are the things. It's, it's not your wealth you hold on to. It's the tzedakah you give that is eternally yours. Because your wealth is yours today. Tomorrow, the market takes a turn. Chas v'shalom lo l'itzlan, right? So again, and suddenly all of that wealth is gone. One bad business, business decision, everything you work for, gone. Everything you quote-unquote own could be gone in a moment. But the tzedakah you give, the Torah you teach... The things you do for others, those are the things that are locked in for eternity. Those, nothing you do could ever take that away. Rabbi Shave, Rabbi Akiva understood that. So the Gemara says over here, you learn Torah, that's beautiful. Hon You have wealth in your home, but you share it with others. That's sidkasa omedes That which you take of yours and you share with others, that's locked in for eternity. No one, nothing could ever take that from you. so incredible. So the Gemara says others say this refers ultimately again to someone who writes Tanakh and shares it with others because you write the Sefer that way the Sefer is intact sharing it with others ultimately, again, allows for that, for that eternal schos. V'ra'a banach, banim levanach shalom a-yisrael, or banim levanach shalom a and you will see children to your children, shalom a-yisrael. Am ben Levi, ke'van she'banim levanach shalom a Once your children have children, then there's shalom a Why? The it's incredible. Talalasi lidei chalitza ve'yibom. Fascinating. Once my child has a child, I know now that my at least at least my daughter is no longer subject to chalitza and yibum. Or I should say my son, right? There's no longer chalitza and yibum, right? So once you have a grand, it's an incredible thing. Once I have a grandchild, I know that my children are no longer subject to yibum and chalitza, and there's a certain shalom in that. So I'll we'll say once you have grandchildren, ultimately again there's shalom on the dayanam, on the based in Why? Because there's no inheritance disputes, right? Because what happens if my child Chassad Shalom dies without heirs, then they have an estate. So who who inherits it? Once my child has children, it's clear. There's a clear line of succession. I know who I know who is going to inherit the estate, and therefore there is Shalom. I will say so much to say, but okay, let's go right there. So also Rabbi Eliezer, ben Azari when he became the nasi. The Mishnah said, dash in the following idea." I will say base. Don't worry, we are right on schedule, do not worry. So it says <laughs> So it says, so this is actually quite fascinating. So Raf Yosef was sitting before Rafamnuna and he said as follows. Rafahamnuna said, the same way that sons only inherit real property, so to daughters are only sustained from real property. So the Gemara says, Avash alei kuli alma." Everybody began. To, everybody began to go out and yell at Rav Hanunah. So the Gemara says, "I'm sorry, at Rav Yosef, excuse me." So, so Avish kuli alma. The shavik aru. The shavik. The shavik aru who diarsilei the The low shavik aru low What? That doesn't make any sense. If somebody goes ahead and leaves, so what Rabbi Yosef seemed to be saying was that halokhalam, so I the same way boys only inherit real property, so too girls are only sustained from real property. I said, what doesn't make any sense? Boys only inherit real property? So let's say Rubain dies, Rubain dies, he, ha- he owns no real estate, he owns no real property, but he owns, he owns uh, stock portfolios, and he owns cattle, and he owns different things. This kids don't no inheritance by, by, by movable property. That's simply not true. So the Gemara says, So I'm sorry. I'm say this is Rav Nuna saying this. Amrli Rav Yosef Rav Yosef said to Rav Hamnuna, "Maybe, maybe what you, when you made this statement, you're talking about Ksuvas Benin Dacherin." Rabbeinu said, we mentioned this in yesterday's daf. We, we haven't seen this sogya yet. This is in a couple of weeks. We're going to get to this. Ksuvah written in was a takana, which which in the ksuvah it was written as follows: well. A woman would have written in her ksuvah, in the event that I die, in the event that I die, well, no, everybody dies. When I die, when I die, my ksuvah should be inherited by my sons. And I will say the hap of that was really specifically in a situation where let's say Ruven was marrying Rachel. And let's say Rachel had, Rachel had sons with Reuven, but let's say Ruven also had other wives. Rachel wants her ksuva to be inherited by her children and not shared with Reuven's other kids. So what she stipulates in her ksuva is when I die, my ksuva should be inherited by my sons. And by the way, that should not impact the rest of the estate settlement. In other words, my son should still inherit with the other sons in the rest of your estate, but my son should inherit my k'suba. So maybe, maybe when Rav has said this idea before that sons only inherit if there's real property, that I was talking about k'suba spinin That in this case of when the mother legislates this in her k'suba, that clause, what we call k'suba spenim only applies to real property. Amr Rav said, Yes, you who are a great man understood what I meant. And I wasn't referring to the general laws of property. What I meant was the concept of only applies to real property, doesn't apply to property. I say, such an incredible Yisot. Everyone, everyone jumped on Rav but Rav Yosef, who was a little bit smarter than everyone else, understood what he was saying. How many times do you jump on people for things that they say? And we don't recognize or understand what it is that we're saying. If we just took a little bit more time to clarify what it is that they meant, perhaps we wouldn't get as upset about what they say. Yosef. <speaking in Hebrew> so we'll say, let's talk about this just a little bit. So Amrav Chidabari Yosef. Rav Zan Michitei Dalia. Rav went ahead and supported. And I say, this is talking, now we're going back now. We're going back now to the case of girls. Remember again, so what did the Mishnah say? As much as there is no chi of Mizonos for girls, according to the Mishnah, Halokha Lameisa, when the father dies, daughters are supported from the estate. Daughters don't inherit necessarily, if there are sons, but they are supported from the estate. San tells a story. Rav went ahead and supported girls, supported daughters. In other words, mechiti De'aliyah. Now look at Rashi just a moment. Rav, Zan mechiti De'aliyah, Yisomos Ba'olifana, V'tobos Mizonos, this was a case of girls. Their father died. They came before Rav. They wanted support from the estate, so Rav supported them from the wheat of their father's estate. There was no karka. There was no real property. Rav supported them from, from the wheat. I lohu parnasa havya yusadav. was this parnasa? Now we're going to see parnasa doesn't mean support. Parnasa means dowry. Maybe these girls were getting married, and Rav was giving them a dowry. From the metal of their father's estate, umay what does Aliyah mean? Me'iluya, ultimately from the best of the property. Ukidish mua shamin baav. we'll say in general, if a father passes away and now his daughters need to get married, Baisdin gives the daughters dowry from the estate. How do they know what to give? They assess what kind of guy was the father, what kind of dowry would he have given his daughters, and we give that O Dilma Mbizoni Maybe, no, maybe Rav wasn't even in Dar, maybe he was giving them Zonos. Aliyah, tovim aliyah. What does it mean he gave them from Aliyah? From the good things that were said in the attic. What was said in the attic? In the attic, they stipulated, they made a takana, that daughters should be supported even from Matatlin. So, we're going to stop with this over here for today. I'm going to be a little bit of a cliffhanger. So, I'm going to say, here's what we know. Here's what we know. We now, see, now the interesting question is, we know that when a father dies, girls are supported from the estate. So we know, so now the shayla is, when girls are supported from the estate, does that mean only from real property of the estate? Or even from movable property of the estate? We now have the case of Rav giving daughters movable property from the estate. What we don't know is what? Is he giving them for their dowry? Or is he giving them Mizonos? Emirat Hashem, resolution, continuation, resolution. B'sha tomorrow. Shkoyach. Thank you again. All right, Have a great day, everyone.